Last week, we talked about taking advantage of every opportunity by being obedient to God's will. Our scripture was Ephesians 5, 16 to 17. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. You know, we should care about what God wants us to do because it's, it's good for God. It's good for others around us, and it's good for us. Once we've decided that it's good to do God's will, we need a plan to figure out what God wants us to do or what is God's will for me. Well, the Bible gives us a, a good plan. You know, it's great that God never asks us to do something without telling us the how. Romans 12, 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will know what God's you'll know what God wants you to do, and you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect his will really is. See, today's scripture gives us the answer to the question, how do I know what God's will is for me? Well, and the answer comes like a two-sided coin, a heads and a tails. So let's look at the tails first. Look at that first sentence. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. In other words, if you don't know what God's will is in your life, then quit acting like the world. Because God doesn't reveal his will to worldly people. You know, and Paul's not the only apostle to drop this little bit of truth on us. John tells us in 1 John 2, 15-17, Do not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, the word world here doesn't mean the people in the world. Because God wants us to love people just as he loves us. This word is used to describe the system in the world that operates contrary to God's will. Remember who the prince of this world is. Remember, Jesus tells us in, in John that the ruler of this world is Satan and that he has no power over Jesus. It also tells us that, that, the, that Satan has been judged and that he will be cast out. So the Holy Spirit is saying to us, stop loving this evil world by copying its customs and behaviors. And the reason? Because love for the world interferes with our being able to know God's will. By copying the world, we are imitating Satan and not Jesus. See, we can't follow the customs and behavior of the world and follow the customs and behavior of God simultaneously. It's an either-or proposition. Remember what Jesus said 
No one can serve two masters. The first step to figuring out what God wants you to do is giving up what the world wants you to do. We have to stop following Satan and start following Jesus. Now, the one caveat to that is we're not to give up our friendships uh, with those who don't know Jesus yet. Rather, he's calling us to be careful not to follow their worldly behavior and customs. We're supposed to be a light for them to follow. Jesus put us here as lights in a dark world so that those that are still living in the darkness could see that, that ray of light, that, that hope, and could come to it and therefore come to him. That's our job as Christians. See, there's a big difference in loving people and loving the world. And the life of Jesus is our model. You know, Jesus was criticized by the religious hypocrites of his day for his relationships with sinners. They misunderstood the idea of separation from the world. I love it. Mark 2, 15 and 16 says, That night, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to be guests, along with his fellow tax collectors and many other notorious sinners. I love that word, notorious sinners. That means that these were people that everyone considered to be sinners. They weren't sinning behind closed doors. They weren't doing little quiet things that no one knows about. They were living their lives out in the open for all to see, and everyone that saw it saw that they were living a sinful life. And Jesus had no problem being with those people, and neither should you. He continues in verse 16, But when some of the teachers of religious law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with people like that, they said to his disciples, Why does he eat with such scum? See, I look at it this way, folks. I hope there's other people in churches around town that look at me and say, Why does that pastor, the Nazarene church, hang out with those people? Because when they say those things, they're putting me in the same boat with Jesus, and that's a good place to be. And you have to remember, too, up until Jesus came in the Jewish religious system, they believed that anything holy was defiled by anything unholy. If it was considered clean, and if it got in contact with something unclean, then it became unclean. But when Jesus showed up, he showed that God's holiness was greater than anything unholy, and therefore when God's holiness encountered anything unholy, it was the unholy that became holy. Remember, he hung out, he healed. He healed lepers and crippled and blind and deaf and mute. He healed all these. He healed a woman that was bleeding in the Jewish system to touch even to touch her while she was bleeding was uh, made you unclean, and you had to go through a whole a whole uh, system of cleaning yourself to make yourself presentable before God again. And Jesus shows up, and he shows them. No, God's holiness is greater than all of this. 
and one touch of his holiness cleans whatever's unholy. The first step to knowing what God wants you to do, don't copy the behavior and customs of this evil world. Don't get caught up in it, folks. We all do it, though. We get caught up in in the, the job we have, how much money we make, how big our house is, how new our car is, how nice our clothes are, what vacation we take. We get hung up in all the things of this world. And when we do, we lose sight of what's really important. And that's the next world, not this one. And you know, it's hard to avoid copying these behaviors of this world. I mean, have you ever tried to stop doing something you've done for years? Have you ever tried to go on a diet? Start an exercise program? Stop smoking? Not easy. It takes a lot of willpower. And many that try it fail. You see, we have spent our entire lives living by the standards and customs of this world. We can't stop on our own. We need more than willpower. We need the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome the ways of the world. We cannot change in our own power. We must, and just flip this coin over and look at the other side, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. See, if we want to change how we act, how we feel, how we react, we have to change the way we think in this world. And I love it. The, the Greek word here for transform is the basis for our English word metamorphosis. You know, that's when a caterpillar crawls into a cocoon and a butterfly comes out. Likewise, a Christian, a follower of Jesus Christ, must change from someone who copies the behavior and customs of this evil world to someone who does not. And just like that caterpillar changes to a butterfly, by the power of God, you and I change from worldly thinking to godly thinking. Now this change, God says, is to take place in our thinking. The mind is the preeminent spiritual battlefield. There is a battle going on for your mind and your soul every day. We're not always aware of it, but it's happening. You know, on TV, like they'll show, we got a little angel on one shoulder, a little devil on the other shoulder trying to convince you on what you should do. Well, there is a battle in your mind that's exactly that. There's a battle in your mind that is saying to do what the world wants. Fall in in line with the rest of the world and, and be successful and do all the things that the world looks at and considers good. And the other part of that battle is that part of you that's saying, no, don't worry about what the world wants. Don't worry about what the world thinks. Do godly things. Listen to his voice and do his will and follow him and build your treasure in heaven where it will last forever and not here on this earth where it's going to fade away. You know, when, when we want to get our bodies in shape, 
We start an exercise program. We start working out. Well, I think that we should have a mental exercise program. Some way that we can that we can work on conditioning our minds and changing our minds to where we begin to think more like Christ and less like the world. And here's some biblical principles for that. If you want to, to get into this, this mental fitness program, let me give you some ways that you can start. And just like in a physical program, we want to start off by by uh, stretching to have that desire that we need to do this, that we we need to work out. We we've got to stretch our muscles and and also that we that we are prepared for what's coming. So the first thing we need to do is we need to have a desire in our heart to obey God. And we need to follow that inner desire and power that comes from God. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire to obey Him and the power to do what pleases Him. Now what Christian doesn't know the joy of being prodded from within by the Holy Spirit to do God's will? We've all been woken up in the middle of the night to pray for someone. Or maybe, maybe it was God's uh, voice in our head or, or whatever in our heart that was leading us to go and talk to someone. Someone that just happened to need a word of encouragement. Someone that happened just to need someone to be there to listen. A shoulder to cry on. A hand to hold. We've all have experienced those things, and we've all been blessed by them. You know, Jesus himself was asked by his disciples one day if he was hungry. When they came back from the Samaritan village of Sychar, Jesus had been uh, at, the, at the well. Remember in Samaria, the woman at the well? Jesus stopped there and asked for a drink of water and then proceeded to tell her that he was the Messiah, and that if she would drink from the living water, she had never thirst again. Jesus was there doing that. And when his disciples came back and asked him if he was hungry, his answer was, My nourishment comes from doing the will of God, who sent me, and from doing his work. See, Jesus needed physical nourishment just like you and I. But more than anything, he needed to do the will of his Father. That inner hunger of Jesus, that's in us as well, folks. Follow your spiritual hunger. Don't rationalize it. Don't justify it. Don't make excuses why you can't. Follow that spiritual hunger. We have to have an open mind. When we read the scriptures, we have to have an open mind because God's word cannot change you if your mind is like stone and refuses to change the way you think already. Acts 17.11 says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scripture day after day to check on Paul and Silas to see if they are really teaching the truth. 
See, that's the kind of people that we need to be. When we hear something preached, when we hear it taught, we need to go and research it and make sure that what we heard is what God said and not what someone thinks he said. In addition to God's desire in your heart and his power to help you transform your mind, the greatest mind-changing tool available to us is the Word of God. But it cannot change you if you're closed-minded. And it sure can help transform your mind if you don't read it regularly and hear it taught and preached regularly. See, God's Word is a yardstick that we measure the way we think. You see, we need to think like Jesus. 1 Corinthians 2.16 says that as Christ followers, as Christians, we have the mind of Christ. That's why we can understand spiritual things. If we had the mind of Einstein, we'd understand physics a whole lot more. If we had the mind of Bach, we'd understand music a whole lot more. And if we had the mind of a four-year-old, we'd have a lot less stress in our life. But since we have the mind of Christ, we need to use it. What would Jesus think about this? That's the question we must ask ourselves. His mind is in us. Thinking with his mind will transform our mental process. See, that's when you have a lot of this conflict in your mind. Because your natural way of following the way of the world says to do this. But when you say, what would Jesus do? And it's a totally opposite answer of what the world says. That's where we start wondering, well, what should I do? Well, it's simple. Do what Jesus says. Follow the leading of the Spirit. See, if we want to walk like Jesus walked, then we've got to think like Jesus thought. After you have refused to copy the customs and behavior of the world and let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think, then you'll know what God wants you to do. And you'll know how good and pleasing and perfect His will really is. When we go from here this morning, when you go back out into your daily routine, stop and think, how would Jesus go about this day? Would Jesus speak to that person? Would Jesus offer help to that person? The things that we do, the thoughts that come in our head, the routines that we're stuck in are worldly things. We have to recondition our mind to think of godly things. To look at people the way God looks at them. To look at situations the way God looks at them. Not to judge and condemn people for living and thinking and speaking things that are uh, offensive to us. But to look at them through God's eyes and to see a lost child that needs his loving touch. When we start seeing the world with his eyes, 
and we start reacting to the things around us with his heart, then our thinking will have changed and we'll no longer be thinking of like worldly people, but we'll be thinking like godly people. Let's all stand and pray. Father, help us to learn to think like you. We want to please you and obey you, Lord. We want our lives to glorify you, Father. Lord, go with us today. Help us to act like you. Help us to think like you. Lord, help our lights to shine brightly as you, Lord, overflow from us. Lord, help us to be an influence to the people around us. Help us to be a blessing to them so that you would be glorified. Lord, that we'd be the lights that lead someone to the foot of your altar. Lord, that someone would decide to follow you today because of how you've used us today. Lord, we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.